The Dynasty League podcast is brought to you by MyBookie. Head over to MyBookie.ag or DinesPressBox.com and click on any of our banners to get taken to the MyBookie Sportsbook for all sorts of first deposit bonuses, pre-populated codes, special offers, and more. Head over to MyBookie and use the promo code DINESPORTS on any of your purchases or deposits so they know who sent you. Well, seeing as it's fresh in everyone's memory, we might as well start off with this. Eric, what happened on Monday night? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I don't know. Like, the defense played so well throughout the game, but there were a lot of injuries. Uh, I'm pretty sure we had equipment coaches out there playing defense, so that's why Lamar Jackson just, you know, Clayus Campbell broke through a line, make a good, made a good block. Rodrigo Blankenship wasn't 100%. He missed the kick. But uh, that was a heartbreaker. As I, I mentioned on the podcast before, as a Colts fan, I was really hoping that the first five games we end up, you know, two and three, I'd be okay with. I'd be happy with three or two or better. Three and two or better. But, uh, oof, that was a tough one to swallow. Even if our next five games are, are very winnable, which they are. Oh, man. Uh, that that's a game that you that you really want to have the Colts are just finding new and more glorious ways to break their fans hearts it seems like I I think just about everyone who was in a survivor pool that had picked the Ravens to move on was already assuming that they'd been eliminated there and in Uh, my pool that was a large portion of people and lo and behold you know all of a sudden the Colts decided we're gonna stop playing defense here so Lamar Jackson with an arm. Who would have thunk it? I got all my picks correct in my survivor pool, and I was hoping that Houston and the Colts would pull out their games and then eliminate a huge amount of people, but that just wasn't the case. But yeah, Lamar Jackson, it it was really tough to watch because it brought back really painful memories of Tom Brady carving up the Colts defense again and again and again in very important games. It just didn't sit well for me. Well, let's continue our trend of heartbreaks here. Greg, are you starting to get a little bit worried at all about the Chiefs now that they're dropping a couple in a row? Or is this just they're playing the toughest part of their schedule at the beginning of the year and they'll be fine? Before you answer that question, before you answer that question, Craig, look in the camera and say the Chiefs are white trash and they're in trouble. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) They are trash. No, the defense is. I kind of said at the beginning, but it's still true if they're playing players out of position right now on defense they have some injuries they're playing guys that can't tackle for their life tyron matthew is playing more free safety than he ever has for some reason which is strange because they have a perfectly good free safety that they're not using and instead of having tyron matthew roaming the middle five to ten yards of the field like he always does they have Sorensen there who leads the nfl in missed tackles it's just ridiculous and then like again when jones was healthy they have him on the edge trying to contain like quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson this dude's a defensive tackle he isn't fast enough yeah. to do that. I was okay with yeah. them doing that for pass rushing things but they seem to completely forget about alternating him and just move him only to the side and he didn't even play this game but it was just and and just with how bad the defense is they're just putting so much pressure on the offense that they're getting kind of careless like thinking we have to score touchdowns every time now and it's just they're out of sync I mean it looks like the Broncos are kind of folding too the Raiders, I'm sure we'll touch on that later. <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually, they're, they're not I, looking yeah. good right now. 
I, and, and it kind of breaks my heart because I really like Daniel Sorensen. I, I, I think he was fun to watch in a lot of big games where he came up and made big plays, especially during their Super Bowl run. But this year, I feel like every single replay that that I see of a big touchdown, I see number 49 chasing after a guy running into the end zone. And, and I was kind of expecting bigger things this year from the Chiefs defense, too, because uh, um, Legereus Sneed, I thought, was going to step up and have a big year. Willie Gay Jr., Craig, so you were saying Gay in the preseason that Gay hasn't. He hasn't. Okay. No, he's been injured all year. Cut that part out. Okay, I for and, some reason and thought he was in. They've but... missed out. They've missed out on a lot of their cornerbacks. They are having some injuries yeah. there, like Trevorius Ward and Rashad Benton haven't played theirs at two and three. But it's just so there's another segment of Eric doesn't just... Eric doesn't know what he's talking about. I can't wait to see Willie Gay Jr. then in the lineup because as you were pointing out during training camp, he was running sideline to sideline, picking off Patrick Mahomes. So yeah. maybe he can be a game changer. And they need that because right now they have their inside linebacker run stopping linebacker playing coverage instead. Like it just doesn't make sense. They just have guys all over the place. They don't, they completely forgot how to use their defensive players. Is Steve Spagnolo on the hot seat at this point? Like at what point do you think a change needs to be made on the coaching staff? If we get to the halfway point and we're still 31st and 32nd in all defensive categories, yeah, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> like, what have you done for me lately? I think the Chiefs will be okay, although they have you know, the Chargers to compete with now who look really good. Yeah, like said, like they might be able to speak in, but there's a lot of good teams in the AFC, and I mean, if they manage to sneak into the playoffs, I'd still be worried with that defense. Eric's Colts managed to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Craig's team got blown out. Somehow the Eagles in a game I thought was going to be a laugher for Carolina ended up winning it. So I don't know what the hell's going on in the NFL this weekend, but one of the big takeaways I had from this weekend, and really it's not just this weekend, but it's several weeks now leading up to this is just the officiating in these games. I mean, Craig, in the Bills and Chiefs game, at one point it seemed every second play there was a flag. Week one and two, they were the most penalized weeks, I, I think, in like almost NFL history, but they were amongst the top five. I know that. And just the inconsistency. Like you can even talk about the Thursday nighter where the refs don't even seem to know how to properly apply the rules with the double punt and he's punting it past the line of scrimmage. Like what is going on with the Zebras this year, Eric? I mean, I think the issue with that punt, first of all, which of course I had the pleasure of seeing live with both of you guys having wings, which was great. <laughs> I, I, the, 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 double, the double punt itself wasn't against the rules. I believe that the issue is the fact that he was past the line of scrimmage, correct? Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, Otherwise it would be really just old technique yeah. to just take the snap, just start running as a punter <laughs> until someone's near you. And, you know, you get an extra 15 yards and then rugby boot it up the field. Because that's a reviewable play. So I don't know how they didn't get that one. Because on the replay, I thought, yeah, he was ahead of the, the line of scrimmage. Fun play, though. Fun play to watch. I really enjoyed that. No one knew what the hell was going on, but it was great. In between bites of wings, I believe you flagged that as a got to talk about that segment. <laughs> yeah. Watching it live. Yeah, there was two of them that game, I'm pretty sure. What was the other one? Oh, Geno Smith's coming up. Don't you worry. Yeah. Oh, Geno <laughs> Smith. Don't worry. We're getting to Geno. Settle down, though. But uh, honestly, like, this has to be, and I, I've been watching the NFL seriously probably since I was right around, like, 13, I would say. I probably, like, really got into watching it week in, week out. This has to be the worst I've ever seen it, just even on in terms of, like, last night that 
horse collar tackle that wasn't even a horse collar tackle like he had him by the jersey and then didn't pull him down by it he just like laid Carson Wentz onto the ground but oh you got inside the neck got to protect the passers and there was just like all sorts of these just ticky tack you can't breathe on a quarterback anymore it's coming to the point where it's almost like a crisis point and I, I saw it all across multiple levels of social media everyone from people actually in the game to former players to current players to fans of the game like it takes a lot to unite people uh, as far as one opinion in the nfl but pretty well every fan base seems to be united in the front that over policing the game a little bit yeah i mean it's it's just like if they're, it's almost like if they're not sure they're just instead of letting them play they're just like flag flag it and we'll talk and then if no one else sees i'll just we'll keep it because it's embarrassing to pick it up i don't know i they were told i know to go harder on offensive holding but it takes away so many big plays too and you look back and it's like where's the hold it's the same play you see all like they say you can call it every time well maybe you need to kind of redefine what holding is then because if it's happening every play it's just annoying to just kind of pick and choose when you're going to call it and when you're not and at this point, too, like, just get rid of kickoffs. Half the time, block in the back, hold. Like, just what's the point? Well, glaze over the fact that this new taunting rule is just the most idiotic Ugh. thing that's ever been concocted Ugh. in any professional sport. Yeah. But, like, I get the fact that the NFL is trying to sell itself on offense. It's the new era of offense. We want to increase scoring. We want to, you know, rewrite every record book known to mankind. All of that good stuff. But the reason that you're increasing scoring isn't because we've got all these otherworldly athletes who are so much better this year than they were five six years ago it's the fact that every other play you're getting 10 15 yards up the field or all of these pass interferences that are just absolutely ticky tack and all of a sudden you're in the red zone if you're gonna be in the red zone twice as much as you were 10 years ago yeah you're gonna score more points so like the referees are playing such a huge factor in the fact that these games are higher scoring there's more offense there's all of that because you can just get away with so much more and oh by the way if you sell it well enough we'll still spot you the foul and march you up the field and get you a new fresh set of downs anyway i kind of wish there was something like they have for baseball now where they just they're releasing the ump scorecards and you can see like established strike zones and their missed calls and how bad they were kind of thing and it's a little bit more obvious than just well it wasn't my zone kind of thing I don't know how you'd go about doing that. Maybe the NFL does that on its own, but that's the thing. Like maybe they just don't want to release it because the NFL wants the scoring. So they're kind of just encouraging it. It's like, yeah, perfect. If you're not sure, throw the flag. Well, I think it would be pretty embarrassing if they released it, right? Like if, if on the Tuesday each week they released all the, you know, blown calls and the, this shouldn't have been a penalty and various leagues have done it. Like I know Kelly Frazier did a whole bunch of stuff like that in the NHL as far as like, I don't understand why this was called or here's why this rule was enforced here and all of that. I think it would just be an absolute PR nightmare for the NFL if they actually did release that because it would show how incompetent some of their officials actually are. I will say it seems like the ref that they have on the side for the main broadcast, they seem to be disagreeing with the refs more than Sears than they have in the past. Yeah, Gene Serator and that, the boys. Yeah, yeah like usually yeah, they have yeah, that, yeah. that side ref that's just like, uh, I agree with the refs, so this is why. It does seem this year that they're just like, I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> All right. Well, I know Eric is itching to talk about it. So big news out in Seattle. For those that were watching it, you got to see Russell Wilson's gruesome mangled paw off the helmet of Aaron Donald. Geno Smith in a QB for what could be anywhere from 
four to eight weeks, depending on what report you're kind of reading there. Obviously, he's already had the surgeries, got it all bandaged up. He won't be throwing a football anytime soon. Eric, Geno Smith at quarterback, would you consider picking him up if you previously had Russell Wilson, or are you just taking a waiver on whoever else you can find on the waiver wire? I'm probably maybe taking a waiver on other people, maybe stashing him on the bench, but like I'm kind of, as a neutral observer, non-fantasy-wise, I'm excited to see him play, to see what he can do, and potentially be further proof that once you leave the Jets, the world is your oyster. Anything is possible. Once you leave that organization. And maybe that's the genius of the Jets that we're missing, is that it takes a bit more time for them to really sprout and become all world players. But they only do that when they leave the Jets. Yeah, if the NFL ever creates a farm team system, the Jets could be the greatest farm team to have ever been in existence. Yeah, that's true. That is true. But if we actually switch to like a fantasy standpoint here, like I don't think there's going to be too many people clamoring to go and pick up Geno Smith unless you're a real Seahawks homer and you believe in that offense and you just want to ride or die with them. But realistically, how much does this now affect the week-in, week-out ceiling of a DK Metcalf or a Tyler Lockett now moving forward? Like, is this going to be a drastic drop-off? Or would you say if they were averaging, let's just pick a number here, 15 points a week, they might drop down to, you know, 10 to 12, but they'll still be perfectly serviceable and there's not going to be a huge difference just based on the fact that they are such elite wide receivers. I'm hoping possibly because I have a conflict of interest here that the pure burner speed of Tyler Lockett to be able to get open deep downfield that Gino will just huck it up there and, and hopefully get a 50, 50 ball. And actually the same can be said about DK Metcalf too. just throw it up there and see if he catches it. Maybe a bit of a reckless plan that going with the Jameis Winston strategy, but I don't know who knows. It looked like he was, pretty comfortable with releasing the ball and, and, and throwing it to those guys at the end of the game. And granted, as I've properly corrected myself, the St. Louis defense is pretty good. So, I mean, it's not like he was thrown against some cream puff defense. He did okay, but I mean, it was, you know, one half. So we'll see if that's consistent. LA Ram defense. <laughs> did I say St. Louis? Yep. <laughs> what's, what's, the ta- what's the tally at this year? For for the amount of times I've said that, which is uh, crazy right. because I, I I I figured I would have said the San Diego Chargers, but I th- I think I'm perfect on the L.A. Charger. I don't think you've said Oakland yet, but anyways, I'm I'm more nervous if you're a Lockett owner than Metcalf. I think for Lockett, just because he is a smaller receiver, he will need to create separation for Geno to comfortably throw him the ball. Whereas Metcalf, just a big guy who's just got a crazy catch radius, we've seen it in the past right like deandre hopkins first quarterbacks like he would still he would still get over a thousand alan robinson with whoever he had had going he's still able to get those big have those big games i think it's just it's the quarterback's best friend to just throw 50 50 balls to the guys that are big enough where it becomes more of a 60 40 70 30 i think metcalf is going to become his favorite target yeah i think this bodes better for metcalf than for lockett for a lot of the same reasons you just said there too but (laughs) Also for the fact that first couple of weeks, 
again, it was the let rest cook. They were taking more shots downfield. DK was actually having a slower start to the season than Lockett was. Lockett came out of the gates flying. And I mean, I had said preseason that I, I like Metcalf more than Lockett because Lockett always has sort of these boom games and then bust games. Well, he had a lot of boom games in a row to start the season. And now without that downfield accuracy that, you know, I mean, Russell Wilson and put it in a fucking bucket from 50 yards out if he wants to. Like, he can drop dimes in there. Geno Smith, definitely more Jameis Winston than Russell Wilson out there as far as placing the ball. So I think Lockett still becomes a serviceable wide receiver, but he's going to definitely take a step from that wide receiver one status that he was posting week in, week out through the first couple of weeks to maybe a wide receiver two or maybe a flex option, depending on what the format of your leagues are. Whereas I'd be a little bit more trusting in DK moving forward because he does run those shorter routes in across the middle that Gino likes to kind of throw a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, even deeper passes. I mean, Metcalf's fast enough that he can go deep as well, and it's just going to be... I just see it leaning towards Metcalf more. That's not to say Lockett won't have his games, like if he's up against... Because he can't get separation. I think it's just the tougher the tougher defenses, it's going to be a bit tougher for him to get going now without Russ. I don't think it'll be an issue of Lockett getting open. It's more so I'm concerned about, can Gino hit him in stride 40 yards down the field like Russ could before? Let's get to our Ann Veal Award winner coming out of nowhere this week. So we are now officially at episode 11 here. So in case you've missed the first 10 episodes, the Ann Veal Award is awarded weekly to the fantasy player who is owned by pretty much no one. So who goes out and posts a respectable stat line, very much like George Michael's girlfriend, Ann Veal from the show Arrested Development. Everyone asks who when you say their name. So this week's award winner is Chris Moore from the Houston Texans. Wide receiver owned in 0% leading up to this. We had total of one point prior to this week across all of the weeks combined. Went five for five, 109 yards, one TD for 20.4 points. Chris Moore is the winner of the Ann Veal Award for week five. Round of applause for our good Hooray, Chris Moore. <laughs> <laughs> just be grabbing that low-hanging fruit there right? i'm picking them up <laughs> all right well with week five's wonky scores and surprising finals we also had quite a few injuries, injuries. so let's start off with saquon and his ankle that appeared to be the size of one of his quads when they zoomed in on hit on the sideline low ankle sprain so they avoided the dreaded high ankle sprain reportedly but again gonna miss some time eric are you put together uh, yes for Devonte booker i already have in my league where i have saquon barkley and it was a very welcome return for him i'm putting in a waiver claim for Devontae Booker and it's unfortunate because I was just hoping because I got Saquon on the cheap this year got a really good position and he got injured again but I, I and I, I now like to ask you guys too because someone brought this point up to me and it, I feel like it's a very good point that you know some people are unlucky and are you know injury prone due to bad luck but some people could be injury prone because of their behavior and if you look at Saquon Barkley's injury the guy was literally admiring the pass that went right by him and was jogging upfield, not even looking where he was going 
and then stepped on the guy. Is is that a factor, do you think, sometimes in some guys who are injury prone who just are a bit reckless like that, if that makes sense? Do you guys know what I mean? Well, uh, in this case, I wouldn't say it was reckless because it's more so a freak. I happened to, my foot came down on someone else's foot and I turned an ankle, right? It wasn't like- Yeah, but if you look at the replay- the guy was admiring, admiring the ball, not even, he was running one way and looking the other way the entire time. Kind of in the same way that someone admires their pass in hockey and then gets lit up by a guy finishing his check. This case there, the ball was nowhere near him. So if he had gotten lit up, that would have been a giant flag penalty. So there's a difference between being injury prone because of your behaviors. Up until this season, Mike Williams was injury prone because he would literally throw his body into traffic and dive for everything. And right, like that, that was how his injuries seemed to always come up. Whereas with Saquon, it's just a freak. I landed on someone else's foot and I turned it. Can you say that it was reckless? I I think reckless is a bit of an extreme word, but more so like, how, how would I put this? Aside from his broken finger, I put a lot of the onus on Will Fuller for not being able to stay healthy because when it's continually your hamstring for years and years and years and years, and it's always the same thing, like, change something up, whether it's your diet, whether it's your workout routines, whether it's something like there, there's got to be something that you can do to minimize it happening five times a year. I kind of, I agree. Like for me, injury prone is soft tissue. Like you're saying, where it's just like muscle tears or pulls or whatnot. And it's off season, like do some stretches, some lighter workouts and slowly build up that strength, maybe so that your legs are stronger and not wound so tight kind of thing. And I'll, I'll throw concussions in there as injury prone. Cause you know, once you have a couple, it's kind of, okay, when's the next big one going to come that ends your career, but for broken bones, like that's just freak. That is just freak accident. And there's, unless you have a calcium deficiency, there's not really anything that's going to make that any less likely to happen than anyone else. So I, I don't know if just because he wasn't watching where he was going necessarily means that he's injury prone because he probably has done that multiple times in his career where he's just the balls on the other side and just seeing what happens and has never stepped on someone's foot before. Okay, that's fine. I'm not firm in my stance. I just heard the point brought up and I said, oh, that's a good point. Let's discuss it on the podcast. No, no, you had an amicable tone when you put it out there. Like, you... <laughs> I knew it. I knew that was what you truly believed. Yeah, well, <laughs> Turns the camera off. <laughs> Ankle sprain out for a couple of weeks, depending where you are with your free agent budget. I mean, I don't think Devontae Booker is going to exactly light the world on fire. So unless I am a Saquon owner who needs to immediately replace that production in my lineup, probably not spending a ton. I'll let someone else who's really running back desperate blow their free agent budget on that. But someone's going to do it in every league. Someone is going to put an outrageous claim for Devontae Booker this week. For the listeners out there listening, this is actually experience talking for Kyle, the amount of times that he's spent his entire free agent budget on Wayne Gallman. In the past, he has learned to steer clear of this type of situation. Hey, that's how you learn. (laughs) Absolutely. There's only one person who can put up Saquon-esque numbers behind that Giants offensive line, and it's sure as hell not Wayne Gallman or Devontae Booker or any of the other people they've tried trotting out to replace Saquon every time he goes down. So go nuts. More power to you. You got to replace it at some point, but 
I don't think Devontae Booker. Hopefully you've got someone on your bench you can plug and play because uh, Devontae Booker is nothing more than a flex or an immediate Band-Aid replacement if you're yeah. a one owner, in my books at least. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. Just for me, when I put in a waiver claim on him, I just when buys start coming, I don't really have the depth at running back that I do at wide receiver, so I just need sometimes just a serviceable running back to plug in, I suppose. A warm But body. yes, yeah. Well, good thing Michael Thomas will be coming back soon to fill – if I need a flex. There you go. The the Michael Thomas. Eric has beachfront property on Michael Thomas Island there. He's <laughs> eagerly awaiting that return. Sure am. Speaking of running backs going down, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Ended up dodging Oof. a bit of a bullet though, because when he was getting carried off the field and then carted back to the locker room and all of that good stuff, like it looks like uh oh, that that could be a season ender, but looks like it's a meniscus tear. It wasn't an ACL or anything like that. So he's gonna miss some time, but season is not over. So again, we're looking at Williams, we're looking at McKinnon as possible replacements for him that are again someone in your league is going to try and claim him for an absurd amount of money this week moving forward though craig like who's the more attractive back to have in that backfield or do you think it's just going to be running back by committee because didn't they just sign someone to the, from their practice squad yeah they promoted gore today no not that gore um <laughs> ah. <laughs> frank gore no, the eternal not frank the tank. <laughs> no, not him they got a young gore. I think it's going to be more of a committee. I mean, Daryl Williams can catch the ball, but he's not quite as explosive in the open field as McKinnon. So I think they'll definitely get McKinnon more involved now. But I mean, goal line carries, it's going to be Daryl Williams in there. If it's going to be split back, it, this will depend on do you want touchdowns or do you want maybe a PPR thing? And that, that's basically going to be it. They, they probably will early on give Williams more touches but it wouldn't surprise me later on as the games go by that McKinnon makes more out of his touches kind of thing. And maybe that gets him more involved. Eric, let's say you're in a league where you don't have the free agent budget. It's just the waiver priority. And you've got number one waiver priority this week. Who would you rather choose outright? Would you take Williams or would you take Booker? Ignoring the fact that you possibly own Saquon in one of your leagues. Yeah, probably Booker because there's the risk of having, of feeding more mouths in KC. I mean, certainly they're going to get whoever is behind Booker involved, but I feel like Booker would get a larger share of the touches than, than any one individual running back in Kansas City. Um, you know, as Craig pointed out, there's a lot of guys you can use in that offense uh, who they have behind Clyde Edwards Alaire. So from a ver from a pure volume point of view, I think I'm going Booker. Even though you still have to then consider, you know, how great is the Giants offense going to be now because all of their every star player, well, I shouldn't say star player, but all their best players at each position it seems like are going down. So how often is he going to touch the ball? I don't know. But I I think I still might go with Everyone except for Craig's boy, Tony. He gone. You missed the boat if you were late picking him up. <laughs> I mean, he's still going to be available now, but now you got a bidding war. Kid looks good. Good call, Craig. Nice pick. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. He actually won me a week. So there we go. There good for you. Go. Well, Bengals fans can breathe easy because Joe Burrow injury ended up being a throat contusion after saying Look. he's already going to practice normally. He's going to play. It was precautionary. I was surprised to hear throat contusion because when he went down, 
he looked concussed to me. So I was number one, amazed they let him even stay in the game for a couple of plays. But I thought for sure he was going to be in the protocol more so than that. But apparently throat contusion, took him to the hospital, precautionary. He's good to go this week. I, I didn't see exactly what he looked like kind of thing, but I think there's probably a lot of symptoms where if he looks a little out of it, I could have been just him struggling to breathe kind of thing, right? Like if he looks out of it, all of a sudden your throat's in a spasm. You're just kind of like, what's going on kind of thing. You can even like just have difficulty speaking. So if they're or looking distressed, right? So if they're just all of a sudden looking at him and he looks out of it, it's probably because he's in an insane amount of pain and can't breathe or speak properly, right? So I didn't see if he, I mean, throat contusion, obviously it sounds like he didn't get really hit in the head. Um, yeah, poked in the throat. Got yeah, so yeah, I I don't know if he was ever really in protocol. They probably just like, okay, let's make sure this thing's not gonna collapse on us here and let's get him to the hospital. Staying in the division for AFC North though, Juju out for the year with shoulder surgery. Now, oh, the year. Out for the yeah, year. Okay. I thought I thought it was weeks, but okay, man, I was late to the party on that one. Never like to wish injury upon anyone. And I actually had Juju in a couple of my leagues, but I mean, if you're looking at it from a strictly fantasy standpoint, wish him all the best in his recovery. It's not great him going out the past two seasons he's had. I'm pretty sure he's a free agent after this year. So probably cost himself a lot of money with the last two sample sizes we've seen from him. But all of that to say, this probably helps the Pittsburgh offense moving forward for the simple fact that if you've watched the Steelers the last two weeks Juju's been doing a lot of slamming of tablets on the ground he's dropping balls him and Ben don't seem to be on the same page he's running routes where he thinks it's a 10 yard slant when Ben wants a 15 yard slant like they just seem to be out of sync so this also opens up more targets for Johnson owners for Claypool owners and sort of sets that pecking order a little bit more in stone do you think that Pittsburgh is able to actually let's say addition by subtraction here and they actually turn a corner and start to piece things together offensively or do you see this as a crippling loss for the Steelers offense I think they're deep enough at that position that they shouldn't be too, too worried. I mean, and that's the thing. Juju Smith-Schuster wasn't a huge part of their offense for the last couple of years. I mean, they've been able to do fine with, without him. I don't know. Maybe a resurgence of Dwayne Haskins is just what Juju Smith-Schuster needs in Pittsburgh. But, I mean, I, I, would you guys say that his career in Pittsburgh might be coming to an end soon? Would that be fair and accurate? I would be shocked if they brought him back. Hmm. But yeah, no, I mean, it, it seemed like the last few games, at least when Claypool was healthy, he was getting way yeah. more targets to start with. Yeah. Deontay Johnson's always going to be the guy. I think maybe that might have added to the frustration of Juju's right. not getting the targets that he maybe wants. And then when he is, he's just not on the same page. Um, yeah, and I think, I think his asking price is going to be probably a little higher than Pittsburgh wants. And they're probably going to say, well, we have three good wide receivers anyways, so have fun. That's the thing. He wanted to go back to Pittsburgh because he wanted more of a pay raise, which is, I think, because he was already familiar with the offense. But, like, I, re- I remember hearing, like, the Chiefs offered him a contract this offseason for more money than Pittsburgh did. He was like, no, I want to be in Pittsburgh. So for him, he, he bet on himself, looking like it's not going to work out. He always seemed to be the guy that was just, and maybe it's unfair just because of how big he's in social media, but it just seemed like his head wasn't in the, I need to study more. I need to train better. I need to get on the same page with my quarterback and get the reps going. And it was just more off-field stuff for him. 
and it's starting to show this last these last couple of years. There's some athletes who go overboard in terms of the oh look at me you know Ben Simmons I'm taking uncontested jumpers at Planet Fitness in an empty gym against like some five foot ten white guy. It's like oh putting in that work right like he's posting those every day. Smith Schuster is doing a little few too many dances on social media and all of that. And like you said, Craig, I'm sure he is working out. It seems like a nice guy. Seems just to have some maturity issues where I don't think that he's going to be flying down to Ben Roethlisberger's off-season workout training camps or anything like that and putting in those extra reps in the off-season and really trying to gel with the offense. Seems to be a 25-year-old who's living the life of a typical 25-year-old and it's unfortunately probably going to cost him this off-season in terms of how much money he's going to garner on the free agent market. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's just, it is interesting. Like, and I, I don't follow Pittsburgh, so maybe he does post these videos too, but a lot of receivers in the off season, they're posting them working on routes individually with coaches. They're throwing the ball around with people, running routes with quarterbacks when they can. They're doing stupid, crazy, like leg lift exercises, just something they're working out in the gym. And you just never saw that with him. You just saw more of the social media entertainment side of it so just because he's so involved with it i, I kind of just wonder how much he's actually doing in the gym if he's that involved with social media and he was working out where are those posts like those should be up there too right yeah as you were saying that i'm literally scrolling through his instagram right now and you have to go all the way back to february 4th to find a post of him actually working out and trust me he's made a ton of posts since then yeah so yeah. it's, it's a lot of like photo shoot this and party this and I'm at this premiere and all of that. Who knows? I mean, right? Like here's the three of us sitting at our homes right now, judging him from afar. Maybe I know. Well, that's exactly it. Right? I, but, I mean, like you, you would like to see that if you're going to be posting that much content on a daily basis, just sprinkle in the odd, like, Hey, look at all of this weight I'm throwing around or look at this giant box. I just jumped on top of because it's certainly not uncommon to see other NFL players doing that. No, you see it all the time in the off season, especially. So, all right, moving on from the injuries to possibly the start of a new cursed franchise. I mean, the Detroit Lions have never exactly been a uh, pillar of the NFL community in terms of on-field success. But at this point, you almost have to wonder whether or not there's a curse going on in Detroit. Like, how many last-minute losses can one franchise have? Through five weeks this year, you throw their stinker against the Packers where they lost 35 to 17. Like they just seem to have these gut wrenching losses weekly. You almost need a doctor's note if you have a heart condition to be able to watch a Detroit Lions game if you are a fan. Like it's unbelievable what's going on in there. Yeah. I mean, part of it's probably just, I mean, they're in roster turnover. There's a lot of young players there. And it's just hard to finish out games in the NFL, right? The good news of all this is that they are there. They're there in the games. Like, they're not getting wiped out. And if they are getting just blown out there, it's still fighting a man to come back and get close. But, yeah, like, figure one of these times, right? And it's like they, they got the heebie-jeebies now. It's like it's supposed to be in the game. They're just like, oh, God, don't blow it. And then, you know, they do. <laughs> oh, you got the Justin Tucker double-doink field goal. They've got the almost miraculous comeback against San Francisco in week one. 
I was watching the ticker go by the cottage this weekend and at the bottom I'm like, ah, yeah, okay, Lions are going to lose. Yeah, no, no big deal there. Then all of a sudden a late touchdown and then they go and they take the lead against Minnesota. And I'm like, oh my God, they just took the lead with 20 seconds left. I'm like, that's huge because a ton of people took Minnesota in the survivor pool this week. And then I see the final score and they ended up losing that one too. And it's like, oh my God, how, like you said, if this was a more competent franchise, I would say like, good, like teach them how to lose, teach them how to be competitive right now, because these sort of learning and losing moments are going to stick with this core for a long time. You got to lose before you win all those other sports cliches, but it really is true. (laughs) But I'm just not confident that the Detroit Lions, even after going through all of these losses, are really going to be that much more better for it down the road like are either of you sold on the dan campbell experience uh, has he ever worked for washington <laughs> not so anyways we're getting sidetracked here but i like dan campbell and i think the players like him i think that's the big thing if this was happening with patricia i mean they just you saw they just didn't really care they were getting blown out these players i think just want to play for him so i i think it's way too early to just start saying like is his job in jeopardy i think with his personality and how much he his players want to play for him let this thing ride. Stability yeah. is huge in the NFL. If you're getting progress every year, just let it ride and see how far I can take it. Yeah, no, I definitely think uh, he's 100% safe this year. You don't bring someone in and then fire them when you're giving them a uh, Ford Pinto and expecting them to win the Indianapolis 500 because that's essentially what he's got in terms of that roster, especially with Goff at quarterback. But <sighs> there's only so far that enthusiasm can really take you, right? And just because you love playing for a guy, guess what? When you're at the highest levels of competition at a certain point, you also want to win. So I'm just, I'm not saying this year, I'm not even saying maybe next year, but year three, right? Like if he hasn't turned this thing around completely, like uh, I, I, I just, it's, it's hard to say, right? Cause it is such a small sample size. It is Detroit. <laughs> Let's call a spade to spade here. It's not exactly a culture of winning, but I just, I don't know. I really think at the end of the day, coaching, you don't learn to coach on the fly at the NFL level. And it seems like it might've been a little bit too much, a little bit too soon with Dan Campbell. And maybe his next time around as a head coach, maybe then he'll have a little bit more success. But I think a a couple of these games, when it comes down to the last, couple of plays there and this is how they're losing on all these heartbreaking plays some of that's on coaching and maybe it is just they they need a a more of an adult voice in the room to temper or even out the enthusiasm of Campbell but something uh, as far as their actual game flow and game management needs to change in a hurry yeah I don't know I I, again like I just the talent just isn't quite there for them yet so it's hard to blame it all on coaching and how their strategy goes when they are in these games, right? Like he, he is doing something right. They're just missing that closer. And sometimes that just takes a player doing something special and they just don't have enough of those special players. All right. Let's get to our survivor pool picks by the skin of both of your teeth. Both somehow moved on. Eric's Patriots somehow defeated the Texans. How that was even a game is beyond me, but Craig, your Packers having to go to overtime, but they beat the Bengals. So both of you have moved on yet again. Eric, 
You have first selection this week. Who are you rolling with in week six? Let's go with the Kansas City Chiefs. All right. I will go with the Rams over the Giants. Look at both of you guys just picking against the poor NFC East this week. Well, I mean, (laughs) no Barkley. What's going on with Jones? No wide receivers. (laughs) Yeah. I'll go, I'll go. That brings us to our first bye week of the season. So on bye this week, you've got the Atlanta Falcons, New Orleans Saints, New York Jets, San Francisco 49ers. So if we go through those teams, the big impact players, Corderell Patterson for Atlanta. (laughs) Who would have thought we'd be talking about him still in week six? Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts. Maybe a Matt Ryan if you're in a 2QB league or something. Jets, I mean, is there anyone that's really drastically going to be affected there? Maybe a Corey Davis or like a Crowder for a flex, but nothing too crazy. New Orleans, obviously no Camara. That's a huge one. And San Francisco, you got Debo and Kittle. He's obviously injured last week, but still a lot of people were relying heavily on him and he was sort of a late scratch there, so... Those are the big ones that are out this week. Who do you like from the waiver wire as far as possible pickups to replace some of the production of any of those four teams if you're an owner who has a bye week? I mean, I don't want to give it away too much here. Hopefully by the time this airs, everything will go anyways. I need a running back for one of my leagues because I have Kamara and Cardell Patterson both out. So I need a running back. And that's the thing. There's not a lot out there. We already touched on Daryl Williams, but I'm kind of, I'm actually looking at New England. And just with the injuries that they've had there recently, Harris had a scare there as well. I might go for someone like Brandon Bolden, who I think Belichick seems to trust more than maybe Stevenson right now. And only 9% rostered in the league. So he should be available there. Also going up against the Dallas offense, which... They'll probably be passing a heck of a lot more, so that bodes a little bit better for Bolden as a pass catching back. And I mean, they're they're trying to sort of force feed the the James White narrative of James White 2.0. I think they're quickly realizing he is no James White right now, Brandon. No, they're gonna need something, and it's probably gonna be more so through the air than on anything on the ground. So that eliminates even if Damian Harris does come back from his rib issue this week, probably him pretty early on in that game. I've got two options here for this week. So tight end, I've got, and I'm going to butcher this, but Pat Fryermuth, Freermuth, Steelers tight end. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. I'm I'm in the ballpark. I don't know if I'm at home plate or not, but I'm within the stadium confines of that pronunciation. 6% owned, taking on the Seahawks this week. And I mean, they're 27th in past DVOA. So that's uh, not exactly a secondary that's locking too many people down. We already mentioned Juju is out. Juju was sort of their 10 to 15 yard shorter route guy over the middle passes. He wasn't a burner. So there's going to be some of those shorter routes that are going to be opened up with his departure. Unclear if Washington is going to be back this week or not. So I think they're going to keep Claypool and Johnson in their regular spots. And there's going to be some looks over the middle for him. So I'm taking a look at him as a possible tight end streamer for this week. And then at running back, I'm looking at Giovanni Bernard in Tampa Uh Bay. Only 16% owned right now. 
he's clearly established himself as the passing down back like if you're a, a rojo owner like he, he's essentially almost droppable i would think at this point because it seems to be leonard Fournette on the ground and geo through the air so don't know how much of a role rojo still has in that offense moving forward but the eagles have still a good d line but that's about it so <laughs> they're really good at getting to the quarterback and in this case when you've got a fairly immobile quarterback like tom brady he's smart enough to just check it down and they're giving up something ridiculous like six catches per game to running backs out of that backfield just on screens and all that and they are notorious not just this year but for years in general of getting gashed by backs who can catch out of the backfield so i think with their lack of any real linebackers or safeties bernard could have an absolute field day against them this weekend and i think it's going to be pretty ugly when it comes to the tampa bay buccaneers <laughs> taking on the philadelphia eagles so if i'm uh, gonna need to peruse that waiver wire giovanni bernard could have possibly multiple scores or 100 yards receiving are my bold predictions for this weekend i think he's in line for a big game Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with a homer pick here and go Paris Campbell. Like the way he looked last game, only 4% owned in, in at least Yahoo leagues. I think, uh, you know, hopefully he can be an up and coming guy and, uh, you know, keep his uh, good play from last week going. So I'm picking him up. What's your takeaway from the Mo Ali Cox, Jack Doyle usage? Like is Jack Doyle just a non-offense in that offense right now? I, he, he's, He's a fine tight end, but I'm telling you, I, I, I said it last week. I love Mo Alicox so much. I think he's underused and should be a bigger part of that offense. He's a very a tremendous athlete and a great player. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised Wentz doesn't look for him more. Just, I mean, with the tight ends that last time we saw Wentz play well, him and Ertz had a great connection. So you just assume he'd want to go to another big body receiving tight end more often. So mm-hmm. maybe this week. Yeah, I agree. We've managed to go most of the episode circling around it here. Let's put aside five minutes for John Gruden at the end here. Wow, did that ever come off the rails fast. 3-0, and the Raiders are off to a blistering start. And I don't even know. Like, I'll actually have to check out what the Vegas Sportsbook put it out as because – was he technically fired? Because he, he put out a statement that he's resigning not to be a distraction. So is the bet of first coach fired in the NFL still open or is it closed now with Gruden? I would say it's still open. He, he resigned. He resigned. Yeah, he resigned. Well, uh, yeah. on social media, he resigned from all the actual accounts. You had uh, Mark Davis came in there and did a mercy killing on him there. So I think it might have been a, a face-saving thing, but I'd be curious to see how the, the Vegas sports books actually end up paying that out considering it happened in their own backyard and they might actually have some insider info as to what really happened. Or maybe it's just a null and void bet now. Nah, I think that bet's still on. It's, it sounded like he told his staff that he plans to resign as well. So I think that's more than just saying I quit on social media. I think yeah. he resigned. wonder what the status of if he resigns what happens to this 10-year, $100 million contract he signed versus him getting fired? That is the big question there. I, I'm really not sure. I would like four years it. into it. Like, he still has $60 million left on I, that I thing. Think he, I think they're off the hook for it. I, I, don't, I don't know exactly how it goes, but 
that would be surprised if you just quit that you wouldn't get paid, you know? Craig, Steve Spagnolo gets fired. You bring in John Gruden to run that defense or what? No, no, he's not. <laughs> even, even if not, I just never, just no. No, no, no. They, they promote from in-house. You don't want any XY, spider, banana, all sorts of crazy plays getting drawn up. Uh, be very confusing for the defense to all of a sudden be getting offensive play calls. So yeah, I'm, I'm out of that. Oh, he's an outside the box thinker. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. I don't know what, what else to say on that other than just maybe if it was just the one email with how long ago it was. But when you have the multiple derogatory comments over and over again. He offended almost every group that you could offend <laughs> with every yeah. email that got released. Like, yeah, not a nice guy. What was he doing with Washington cheerleader pictures to begin with? How did he get those? He was never even, you know what I mean? Like there's something else going on there. I don't know what's. Well, Jane, the other shoe's gonna. I don't know when the other shoe's gonna drop. Washington team, right? So he was embroiled, and Jay clearly didn't get along with Snyder. And yeah, there there were quite a few reports who tiptoed around it, but essentially said like the NFL's aware of a, a lot of things, but when it's the people cashing the checks, like a head coach, where these things get leaked. The, they have a much different reaction than the people who are writing the checks in terms of the owners, because I can only imagine if ever some of the emails that get circulated around these billionaires amongst one another, or amongst their uh, close confidants ever got released, like came over for some of these franchises. Is it because, is it only because he called out the commissioner in one of the emails that this got leaked? Like, or are they going to actually, are they going to actually release everything and we're going to find out what really happened there with the washington football team because just this just seems like for john gruden to be the only one that's getting called out for what included bruce allen jim McVay, and this is all happening under dan snyder like there's where's all that if he were to sit down and do like a 60 minute style interview who do you want to have interviewing him who, who would get the most out of him if you could pick any person i don't know eric you can't say gus johnson who would get the most Eric Andre. <laughs> Why have you done this? <laughs> Great answer. <laughs> As always, folks, if you like what you heard, make sure to like, comment, share, and give us a follow on across any of our social media channels. They're all the same at Dynasty League, all one word. Go and check out my bookie. Use the promo code DYNESports, D-Y-N-E-S, sports with an S at the end of it, to get all sorts of first deposit bonuses and top-up bonuses and more. Craig, until next week, we'll see you later, bud. We'll see you later. Take care and happy Thanksgiving again. <laughs> happy Thanksgiving 2.0 for those that are <laughs> celebrating again this weekend. We're doing it again. <laughs>